The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. So I was in my adult years, so for me that's like my early 30s. I took a little while to get there. When I learned one of life's most valuable truths, and it was during a, a conference. Uh, it was a ministry conference, and ends up being a few days, and you're hanging out with different people. And the culmination of this, this conference, and, and, and some of the, many of the ones we've all been at, are, are sort of this, this final banquet, this final presentation, and, and there's this buffet, and you, and you, you kind of look forward to it, you dress up for it a little bit, and, and we get into to the, the dinner room where there's this buffet, and this is one of those ones where they serve you, you can't just help yourself. And, you know, you start shuffling down the buffet. And we've all been there, whether it's a conference or a wedding or some kind of place. And there's just this long road. You don't really have a lot of visibility, so you just sort of go with the flow and move your plate along. The people, you know, dive in. They load you up with carbs and, and greens and, and things that you don't know you want, but it sort of ends, ends up on your plate. And you're all kind of looking, you're looking forward to, like, what's the main, main? Like, where are we going with this thing? What's at the end of, end of this line? And there's always a couple, like, mains, but there's really one main main. They sort of start setting you up. Like, you hit the chicken that doesn't look that good. Like, oh, shoot, is that it? And there's some kind of fish that you definitely don't want to get into. But you're like, is that it? Should I, should I hit that or is there something after it? And they don't really put a sign. So you're, you just sort of go along. And I'm going along this, this line. My plate's getting, getting loaded up, getting toward the end. And, like, you can kind of, you know, the plate's about full. I get to the end, like, ah, oh, prime rib. Sweet. Stoke. Prime rib is, like, the winner. Yes, please. Hook me up with some, some prime rib. So get the plate in front of the prime rib lady, and she gets her tongs out to dive into the tray. And I'm, like, trying to mind control which piece I want, right? I want this sort of big end cut. Like, I can do this. Now, some people would just ask, can I have that piece, please? I'm not into that. I'm into, like, the mental claw machine game. I'm like, here we go, a little to the left, a little bit down. Now go, go, go. And, like, and, and I'm waiting for the thing to go down. Like, please get that piece. And she doesn't. She just grabs this other small piece on the side and, and puts it on my plate. And I kind of go on defeated. Like, I just wasted my money on that machine. And, and, I, and I'm getting through. And, I'm, and I turn to the guy right behind me to say hi and see how he did. And his prime rim game was strong on his plate. Like, he had three pieces to my one. I'm like, dude, how did you get so much, so much more prime rim than me? And, and he said this. And this blew my mind. This is a timeless lesson. He said, I had more room on my plate. More room, like the more room you make on your plate, the more room you make for the prime rib gods, the more you shall receive. And so we're going to talk about that today, not in the, t- in the, in the tense of, excuse me, in the way of the prime rib gods, but just in the way we relate to this divine provider in our life, and sort of that stuff that we all want, and how we're doing about that. John two, we're going to read, and then we'll, we'll break it down a little bit. Uh, this is a second chapter of John, the Gospel. So far, what's happened in John is Jesus has is, is come onto the scene, he's baptized, and he's assembling his, his team, his disciples, and now we find them at this wedding. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. You could throw a map up, Alex, just for, for reference. This is, in, this is in Galilee. So much of the stories happen around Galilee. Cana is a little bit out, off, sort of off the lake. It's kind of like going to a wedding in the country. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, say, fill them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. 
He did not, he did not realize, is my sermon that bad already? He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after, the, after the guests have drank too much. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed him. So at this wedding, uh, Jesus is there with his, his newly acquired crew, his disciples. His mom is there. We're going to understand this is some sort of uh, connection, friendship, family that, that they're hanging out at this, at this wedding. And they run out of wine. And I think the first part of this I, that I was just musing on this week as I read through this passage, when we talk about why was Jesus there? Why was he there? Well, he was invited. He was invited into, this, into this, this place, to this celebration, to be with the people. Not because he was Jesus. He was Jesus. But not because he was like Jesus, Jesus, like doing all kinds of cool things. Like, we got to get that guy here. He was just human Jesus. Whatever he had been doing up to that point in his, in his life, making friends, influencing people, being a good carpenter, however that worked, he's a guy you, you invited to the wedding. And there's an invitation extended to him and his crew, and he's hanging out there. And I think that's something that sometimes we miss about Jesus, we miss about God, is that he does like to be invited. He likes to be invited in. Does he have to be? Can he just show up? Sure. But if you've been walking with God at all in your life or, or exploring this Jesus thing, he tends to not just jump in and force his way into your life. Jesus is, is a gentleman in that way. He'll wait, he'll knock, he'll be around, waiting for an invitation. Like, yes, please come. Please come and be present. Please come and be close. Be with me. Right? He's, not a, he's not a wedding crasher. It's not the picture of Jesus and his disciples. It's not you know, Owen Wilson and Vince Vaughn scheming their way. How do we get here and get some free food? Like, no, they're invited. There's an, there's an extended invitation into his, into his life, into the life of this, of this party. And Mary's excited here because they run out of wine, and Mary's involved, apparently, with this, this story. And, and to run out of wine at a wedding at, at this time was a huge deal. I think it's probably a huge deal now, but even more so, there was, like, great shame on this. This is something that they would, they would talk about forever. Like, it would just be known around the villages. It would go around the neighboring communities in town. Culture huge in the hospitality. You did not run out of wine. In the sort of rabbinical understanding of, of, of wine, it was a, a kind of symbol of gladness or happiness. So it was almost this, this sort of dark omen, like, oh, wow, you ran out of wine? Like, that marriage is not going to be good. Like, it's, it's, there's some sort of, you know, foreboding, you know, almost like curse on this wedding because they would run out, out of wine. And Mary's in on this, and she asks Jesus, or she, t- you know, tells Jesus, hey, we, you know, we're kind of out of wine here. Um, you know, can you do something? And what's cool about this, and you don't get a lot of this in, in the Gospels. You don't see a lot of Mary uh, really at all, but in these sort of interactions. But by this stage, Jesus is, is right about to break onto the scene. Mary well knew in her own capacity who he was and kind of who he was become. Like there's something about this guy, like my kid is not just my kid. Right? It's, it's, it's become apparent. And she might be a little bit excited to kind of move him along. Like, let's do this, dude. I, I've seen what you can do at home. Maybe he practiced at home turning, like, water into wine. Like, listen, now is your time. It's showtime. And she, you know, everyone wants to be proud of their kid, right? The wedding's saving the day. And so she kind of nudges Jesus. You know, they have no more wine. And I love it even, even in the text how John records it. Mary just came up to Jesus, you know, Jesus' mother, and says, they have no more wine. Like, they have no more, like, it's, it's assumed, like, I'm asking you to do something. Like, you know, wink, wink, they have no more wine. Like, you know, let's do that trick. 
And Jesus says, hey, woman, why do you involve me? A woman in the translation is, it's not like woman in a degrading way. It's just, it's like ma'am or feminine, feminine addressing that. And, but it's not mom. He doesn't, he doesn't say mom. He says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And, and, his, and his mom, Mary's mother says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So Jesus is like, I don't care that they're out of wine. Why do you tell me that? I'm not interested. Not my problem. And I'm not doing anything. And then she just says to the servants, just do whatever this guy tells you, and like walks away. She kind of drops him like, like, you're obviously going to do something. I'm your mom. Just do it. <laughs> and I, I, that's a good lesson for us, you know, for, for our moms. Moms are, are, are key in that way. But she was excited to get, to get Jesus going in this way. She knew he can do something. And I think back to this, in this sort of story, you know, the wedding. And weddings are, a lot of planning goes into a wedding, right? Even, even now, this, in these times, they can go on for days, a week, weeks. I mean, they were a mass celebration, lots of thought, lots of uh, provisions that went into it, food, drink. There was just a ton there. And so to run out was a, was a big shame. But when you go into a situation like this wedding, you wouldn't think you're going to run out. If you thought you were going to run out, you'd probably have more. So you, you do your best to plan, but sometimes you just don't have enough. Have you ever been there in that place in life that you just thought you had enough, but you just don't? When you got there, emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, like, man, I thought I was good, but I just, I just ran out. I thought I planned enough over here. I thought about this, but now I, I'm out. And it's like, where do you turn to in those moments? Because those are hard moments when we just feel ourselves wanting and lacking. And, and in this context, shoot, this is going to bring a lot of shame upon me because I'm out. And we're all run out. We are all going to run out at some point. And, and, and some of us are there now, running on empty. Some of us are maybe getting there. Whatever that feels like to you in your relationships. And you're just starting to get to, to the end, like, gosh, I'm going to run out. And where do you go with that? Where do you go with that? Who do you turn to? And so Mary drops us this really great line. Again, she, we don't have a lot of Mary's dialogue in Scripture, but it says, do whatever he tells you, which is this great words of wisdom. Do whatever he tells you. Parents, tell your kids, like, man, do whatever Jesus tells you. Do whatever he tells you. And that, that leads us right into the importance of understanding his voice. That's for all of us. If, if, we're, if we're walking with God, that's sort of one of the prerequisites. Like, I'm submitted to this divine creator, and he loves me, and he wants the best for me, but... He also can direct my life in the best way, so we have to understand his voice. Mary says, do whatever he tells you. And so the servants go to work, and there's these large stone jars that were there, huge jars, between 20 and 30, 30 gallons. I, I meant to grab a keg as an object lesson, and I forgot, but I would have had a keg up here today, and that might have been a good idea, or maybe not. But, but these huge jars, uh, 20 to 30 gallons, and, and the King James writes that there were two to three firkins apiece. It's this old school measurement of firkin. It's like nine gallons, or these firkins full of, of stone, of these stone jars, and they're for ceremonial washing. So the ceremonial washing, and, and you'll see this all throughout the Old and New Testament, the, the Jewish nation, religion, had all this ceremonial stuff. It wasn't just about getting clean. It was, it was almost like the holy water in, in some, some context here in the church. Like this, you just have to do these things. Jesus is like, let's, let's use those things. He's like, he's like, they don't really work anyway for what they think they're doing. So let's, let's use those things. 20 to 30 gallons apiece, and there was about six of them he moves over. So this is a lot of water coming over. This is six kegs of, of water coming over, over to Jesus. And Jesus came ready to alleviate us from that ceremonial 
stuff. And I kind of love when his, this is his first miracle. He sort of just flips this whole thing upside down. Like, you don't need those things. You don't need those things to get clean. You know what you guys need? You need six kegs of wine right now. Like, that's his first miracle. Well, what about the other people who need those, those ceremonial jars? He's like, he's like, those things aren't, they're not working. You need wine. The bride is out of wine at her wedding. That is going to be well, way worse wrath than anything I'm going to come up with. And so he, so he has them bring over these, these large vessels. And the servants, this is cool, you know, they are listening to Mary, and there's these, these jars, and they, and, they, and they fill them up. And if, you've, if you have the text in front of you, you've heard, but it says, how, how high do they fill them? To the brim. To the brim. And they said, if he's going to do something, let's just go all in on this. If there's something here about this guy that can, that can deliver us from this situation, that can, that can change the, the tone of this party now because we're, we're running out of wine, that can save us from embarrassment, the servants, from maybe their jobs, let's go all in. Let's fill to the brim. Yeah, they're heavy. Yeah, do they know it was going to work? Have they seen Jesus do it before? No. They go all in. They fill it to the brim. And that's what they had, in front, had the, at that time was these vessels, and they just used them all the way. They used them all the way. And we all have that vessel that we have offered or can offer or in the process of offering a little bit to, to God to do something with, to take some maybe ordinary water and turn it into some really amazing wine. Like that's our life. Our, our, our life, that our vessel is our life. And it's a matter of how much we're going to kind of bring over to him. Like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm not, this isn't worth it. Just put a couple drops of water in there, maybe a couple cups and see what happens. These guys are like, no, let us fill this thing up. Let's fill this thing up. And Jesus uses what's at hand. And this is important for us because sometimes we think God is so far out there and he can't use you and he's not going to be part of your situation Jesus like, I'll use whatever's at hand. What do we have here to work with? Jesus could have changed anything into wine. He did not need to get the jars. He didn't, he didn't need to have water in them. Could have snapped his fingers. The glasses could have just filled up all over the place. So what do we have here? All right, bring those and fill them up. And Jesus works in our lives, in the miracles and the stuff we need with what we have around us. Because sometimes it feels like we have nothing. There's no way of getting this. In the natural we have no way of getting more wine. He's like, I don't care about the natural. What do you have that I can work with? You have your life. You have, you have the things around you, the resource around you, the time around you. What are you going to bring to Jesus? He uses what's at hand. And we found out for Jesus that he makes really good wine. Kind of no surprise. But what's cool here in this, in, in this, in this story is the servants had to bring it to the master of ceremony. So their boss, someone who's running this thing, someone who can make their, their life kind of miserable. And, 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 they, and they get this cup to bring to this guy. And it doesn't say, and I don't get the impression for, from a context of a servants in situation that they would have tasted this, but they brought it. They saw Jesus do something, and they actually had to believe this guy. They had to believe something about what he just did to bring it to the sort of next part of the story. And we carry that. Some of us, we would accept Jesus over here. Like, man, he's amazing. He makes killer wine. Best guy will change your life. Creator of the universe. But I'm not going to tell that guy about it. I'm not that sure about it yet. 
I'm not that sure that this Jesus I talk about is, a sa- is, is enough truth, is enough of a divine that if I bring it up to this person, it's going to work. And that's kind of a scary moment sometimes in, that, in that, that movement from your personal faith to sort of opening that up to someone else. When we take a scoop of, of the wine that this guy just made, and I, I don't know if, what it looked like. I guess it hopefully looked a little bit like wine, like, all right, here we go. And come to find out, Jesus delivered. Master's like, dude, this wine is amazing. This wine is amazing. But they had faith in bringing what Jesus provided. And this is his first miracle in, 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 the, in the Gospels. Generally understood through all the, all the Gospels. This is his first miracle at this wedding. And uh, largely his last miracle if we, before the resurrection would be at the grave of Lazarus. And, his, and he, Jesus spans his whole life of, of, of being involved in people's stories and situations all between, right, from the, from the beginning of this wedding all the way to this grave. And he's with people who are sick and with hungry. And he's with people who are smart and with, with people who are, who, are, who are challenged. He's with religious people and non-religious people. And he just wants to be in all those environments. And this is not Jesus. Like, how do I get to the temple as fast as I can to start my ministry? Like, let's go to the wedding. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And I love, again, the, the, the faith of these. Because this is really for us today. The faith of the servants. Let's just fill this thing to the brim. I just want to give him everything. I want to give him everything. And some of us are, are hesitant to do that, and that's okay. This is time. This is emotion. This is, this is resource. And a lot of us, and, and, and I'm this person, if you've ever been there, like, well, if I just had a little more, I would give more. Ever thought that? If I had more money, I'd, be, I'd give more. If I had more time, I'd give more. If I, had, if I had more, you know, smarts, I'd do more. If I had more skills, I'd do more. Listen, here's the here's truth I've, I've, I've learned and, 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 and learned from other people and about myself. You are as generous with a little as you would be with a lot. You are as generous with a little as you would be with a lot. Man, it, you would not tithe on a million dollars if you don't tithe on $10. I mean, we've all thought that. If I win the lottery, man, I'm going to give so much money to good. No, you wouldn't. You'd give the same portion you do now. Maybe that's zero. Maybe that's whatever. Maybe there'd be a token amount, but you are as generous with a little as you would be with a lot. And so in your life as it is now, if you feel like I have a little, what's up, Alex? You're good, dude. Good to see you. Whatever is going on, totally off track now. It's getting going, too. No, but whatever you have, it's, it's fill that up. Maybe, maybe you don't feel like, man, I don't have a keg full to fill to Jesus. I have like a jar. Man, fill the jar to the brim. Bring that. See what he can do with that. See what the return is on that. He's not worried about, Jesus does not look down and say, man, you guys got nothing. He's like, what do you got? I'll use it. That's the story of God all through the Bible if you think about it. He's like, all right, what do you guys have that's halfway decent right now? I'll go with that. Give me something. You're as generous with a little as you would be with a lot. And I believe the elements for, this mir- for a miracle in our lives are always within reach. Maybe that's prayer. Maybe that's a person. We're not so hung out to dry and so far removed. Like, man, I have no idea. God's like, all right, let's, let's use your life. And what are you bringing to Jesus? How much space do you have? Most of us live our lives pretty full. There's no room. But you get out what you put in, right? That's a basic principle. You get out what you put in. If your relationship with God feels like, meh, I mean, what are you putting into it? 
How much time are you putting into it? How deep are you digging? How, what's your community life look like? What's your time in the Word? What's your time in prayer? Like, I don't really do those things. Then your relationship's going to bear that. How's your relationship with your friends, your spouse? Are you logging time? You're having honest conversations. Are you full of grace? Are you, are you creating time to be intentional? Not really. Yeah, you get out what you put in. I wish it wasn't that way. It just is. You get out what you put into stuff. That's how it works. You get out what you put into it. And when you, when you hold back and you don't put in, the problem, too, is that you don't generally just stay in that one spot in your relationship with God and others, your spouse, close loved ones. You drift back. You fall away. You go from a time of like, man, you're 100% sold out to God, and you hear something like this, like, yes, Jesus, take everything. That goes on for a while, then you pull back from community, you pull back from the word, you pull back from, from prayer and the sort of disciplines in your faith, being around the right people, mentors. I was like, I don't know if I really get that God thing anymore. Like, well, look what you've been putting into it, nothing. And you fall back. That's our relationships. We've been talking about relationships with your spouse. You cannot just hold, try to hold steady. Like, all right, we love each other. I love you. We got married. Like, nobody move. Like, you will just start to drift apart. You have got to fight forward all the time. That's, that's the problem, right? The heart of the problem is the problem of our heart. We will drift away. We will drift away. It's about creating space and, and time. And what do I have? I was uh, walking through Whole Foods the other day, making a quick grocery run, and running to somebody, and they had their arms full of, like, eggs and, and bread and kind of the essentials. And I don't remember what I was there for, but I feel like I was about to get distracted by the beer aisle. And... And I run to this guy, like, hey, how's it going? He said, oh, man, good to see you. And, and, you know, I'm like, you good? He's like, yeah, I'm good. And then he kind of starts talking to me about what's going on, you know, Midwest, church, and, and just sort of, you know, kind of goes through that rhetoric of, of public conversation. And I just kind of felt like, man, there's something else with this guy. And I'm like, do I want to get into that now? Should I make some space for that now? Or time? I'm like, can I, should I do it later? Right, because sometimes we just want to do those things later. Like, I cannot give all the fill to the brim right now. I will totally do it later. I will fill these to the brim tomorrow, Jesus. It wouldn't have worked if it was tomorrow. But I was like, this is guy, like, oh. and I just sort of like, hey, man, like, you sure? Like, what's, how's it going? And, man, this guy just, in the aisle of Whole Foods, right just in the brink of tears, just started unloading some stuff that's been going on in his life, some really just heartbreaking stuff. And I was hopefully able to encourage him and said, you know, let's catch up. And sometimes that moment of what, sh- what kind of room are you going to make on your plate or have on your plate for that conversation? And that could be a person in passing. That could be your spouse. That can be God. Because maybe your plate's full. Like, make some room. I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll get some direction for, for communion. God, thanks for this morning, just for the stories in this room, the life in this room. Guys, pray for us, Lord. I, I'm probably a person that does not fill to the brim all the time, and I confess that, Lord. I want to be. Uh, I think probably, hopefully, many of us can relate. Lord, I just pray you just check our hearts right now. Speak to us. We know there is grace and there is love. Lord, challenge us, Lord. Help us to believe you. Believe that you can do things with our lives. Lord, just, you will start with a little, and you will give us a lot. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California, 
Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. That website address again is N-E-U-E-C-H-U-R-C-H dot com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.